Wow. Say wow. Say it backwards. Say it upside down. Mom. It's soon Mother's Day, so we can say mom. I was sharing with, uh, with Pastor Tom. Uh, as soon as I landed in Wilmington, something just happened in my spirit. And I'm just going to give just two minutes of the background because uh, there was a special grace a little over 10 years ago. And I still remember we lived in Florence, Alabama. And I had just landed in Huntsville, and I was driving home and just sensed the tangible presence of Jesus coming into the car. And as it got more and more thick, as my phone rang. And when I answered the phone, it was a person named Christopher Olson, who is a part of the staff at uh, Heartland Assembly of God. They are similar like you, one of the Covenant family. So I, I called, and Christopher said, uh, uh, hello, I, I need to talk to you. And we started to talk, but the presence was there. And in the next moment, I just heard this clunk. And I was like, Christopher, Christopher, where are you? And I didn't hear anything more. What I found out was that the presence of God hit Christopher, and he was out. <laughs> and the next moment, Christopher, he walked by the secretary, Laura, and Laura just fell off the chair. And he thought this was strange. He walked into the staff meeting, and the presence of God just hit the staff meeting, and everybody was on the floor. So for the next couple of hours, all of them had a special encounter. Let me also lead to one of that. I had been in a season where I had seen a lot of creative miracles around the world, but I hadn't seen many creative miracles in America. And I had been a little tired because uh, it, it was one of those meeting after meeting. They brought people with cerebral palsy, people, uh, yeah, down syndrome. They had all kinds of issues that I hadn't seen any breakthrough. And uh, so being in America, I remember one night I was pretty tired, and this was in the same church where I was just, I was just struggling with say, God, I mean, you are the same God in America as you are in Pakistan and Mozambique and other places. And I just wrestled with this. Why don't I see the same breakthrough that we're seeing in other parts of the world? This is not okay. And it was one of those nights when I was tired, and to be honest with you, I was ready to go home and wanted to be with my wife and just, just be with my family. I missed my family. And we prayed for people to about 9.30 that night at Heartland Assembly. And there was an, some amazing healing. And I praise God for the arthritis that was healed, people with migraine headache, tinnitus, uh, frozen shoulders. But in the end of the night, there was two wheelchairs that came up. And one is actually the daughter of the lead pastor, David Olson. And she had cerebral palsy. And I knew the story that they already lost one child because of cerebral palsy. And then there was another girl. Her name was Renee. She came down with a wheelchair. And she was sitting in a wheelchair. And they told me the story that Renee had been in a car accident seven years earlier. She was a top athlete. Everybody in the community knew her. And then the accident came. And now she's sitting in the wheelchair. And it was this struggle with me where I knew that I, uh, at least I can show some love and concern. But I was ready to go to my hotel room. And now I had these two people that I had to spend some time with. And I didn't have the right attitude. Uh, the ones that know about the chairs. I was a little bit in chair number two. But one of the things that I did is I decided I'm going to take some time and just love on them. And I prayed for his daughter and just spent some time and loved on her. And eventually I walked over to the left side and I asked the person in the wheelchair, said, what would you like, Renee? What would you like Jesus to do? And she said, I want him to heal my orphan heart. And it just broke my heart because I said, 
Renee, I thought she was going to say, I want to dance or I want to walk. And she said, I've actually been prayed for by you. And I came up to Minnesota with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and you. You were doing this healing school. And, and then my mom took me and to Tulsa and took me here. And, and she just went through the list. And this didn't help my faith level. It's like this long, long list of everyone that had prayed and nothing happened. And she says, I feel more like an orphan than a beloved daughter. So I just released a baptism of love over Renee and even started to weep because I was thinking, if this is my daughter, I know what I would do, Papa. And I was just holding around Renee, and I sat in that wheelchair. So all of this is kind of a connected. And as I sat there, I said, Renee, should we just ask? Because I know that Papa God is a good, good father, and I know that you are loved by him. So let's just ask for one sign tonight that you are going to walk again, just to give you a little hope. And I said, can we believe in just one little thing? And I looked at her body, and to be honest, I was trying to look what looks the easiest. <laughs> so I'm looking at it, and one hand was a little bit less than the other. I said, should we ask that on your right hand that your finger will move one inch? Can you do that? And she said, no. Okay, let's pray. And I prayed. Nothing happened. Prayed again the second time. Nothing happened. I said, Renee, do you feel anything? There's healing in the covenant. There's healing in the kingdom. I plead the blood of Jesus. Can you feel anything? She said, no. And by the fourth time, I'm like, I knew it's going to be a long night. Because I said, God is a good, good father. And you're going to get one sign. And by the fourth time, suddenly I started to see this little movement. And she started to move. And my faith level went boop. And I said, Renee, do you believe that God is tired? And she said, no, let's pray again. Let's go for the whole hand this time. And we just prayed a few more times, and eventually she's able to move her hand. And at this moment, the rumors started to happen. Something is about to happen to Renee. And there was only a few people left that night in the service. And they started to call friends and family, and they started to spread a new rumors. You need to come because God is about to do something to Renee. And I know about one family, they had gone to eat in the restaurant. They just put $50 before the food got there. And just put $50, came back to church with the kids because they wanted to be in on what God was doing. Through that next one hour and 45 minutes, it went from that hand to the next hand. She lifted her hands up above her head and eventually said, Dave Olson, just even feel, put his hand on her legs. And we could feel the creative miracle as this move was just going up and down. Physically, we could feel what we were praying. Then I said, Renee, see if you can stand up. And I didn't try to pull or force, but see if you can stand up. And when she stood up, the place started to explode. <laughs> then she took her first step. And Renee took her second step and third step, and eventually she just walked up and down. And then she started to run, and the children, they just run after her. And all around the building, the father was a cessationist that didn't believe in miracles, a key leader. And uh, the rumors started, and Renee is saying, the only regret I ever had was the next morning she drove there to the meeting, and Renee came up, and the place exploded. It was full house, and you could feel the fire in the house, and she shared her story. And later on, it came to me preaching, and, and I, I will never preach again. All we should have done was just to worship that day. So that was the only thing I felt, just the pressure that they expected me to preach. But it was such an extravagant worship. And this was part of the thing that led to this move of God's Spirit. 
when I was over on the phone. Now when we came back, there was also a level of expectation. The house was filled up, and people were coming. I remember one of the meeting, one father, excuse me, one son, he came in the middle of the worship like last night, hold up the phone and said, hey, my father has Alzheimer. He is in Little Rock, Arkansas. Please, please pray. And the power of God just hit over the phone line, touch the father, and he was healed from Alzheimer. This is not the story that I think about that often in regard to these, but as soon as I landed, all of this is almost like a movie. The details of that came. And then throughout this weekend, it has been in me and on me. And, but then I thought it was very interesting because, as I'm saying, after Friday night's meeting, I just walked into my hotel room and could feel the presence. And there is a call and then a text that comes in, and it's Christopher Olson. And he said, I'm just sitting here and thinking about you. And I just feel that. And it took him back to the whole revival. So I knew the connection that was going on. And then he said, I'm sitting and listening to the old messages back those days. And so I'm saying that even as Papa Jack last night, if you were not here, I just believe that something significant is taking place. And if you even see the area where the serpent has bitten you, it's so much connected to where you have authority. And I'm going to kind of be a little focused because I know that we are a little bit limited to time this morning for several different reasons. I know that we are going to invite the children to come back. But I do feel I have a special word for you. So if you can open up your Bible. And sometimes, I, I don't think I have ever shared and read this scripture out loud publicly. But it's been burning in me as something that creates a jealousy. The message today is going to deal with what is it that you have in your hand? What is it that you have in your hand? But open up to Joshua chapter 21. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 to 45. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 to 45. Sometimes what I like to do is start with the ending in itself. Because sometimes what it does, if you know actually where we are going and you start to see the end result, then you can find out where you are on your journey towards your destiny. Did you see that catch? And eventually I'm going to use the rod. So, so here we're starting, and this is the story of the Israelites. Now they finally have entered into their promised land. Uh, just to put another scripture verse to give for free. I'm going to be very generous today. I'll give you one extra verse for free. I hadn't intended to do that. And that's just put it back in your Bible, 1 Kings 5.4. It's another verse that is connected to what I believe what God is doing here. But 1 Kings 5.4, I want you just to capture the connection with that, with these verses. That is actually when Solomon had inherited from David. And it says that there was rest. Say there was rest. On all sides, say on all sides. There was no adversary. Say there were no adversary. And there were no evil occurrence. So in 1 Kings 5.4, you could see that it was one generation. It was primary David. There they have gone from a sunset to a sunrise. Saul became a yesterday's man. David became tomorrow's man. And then you saw the journey of David's life when he went from Bethlehem to Adullam to Hebron and Ziglag. And eventually led to Zion where he got the throne. And then he gave over to the next generation an inheritance was Solomon build. And because when there is shalom, when there is peace, you can build. 
And then the Bible says that there was rest on all sides, meaning just imagine you're coming into Wilmington or we are coming in with a plane. And if you have cancer, when the plane crosses towards Wilmington, all cancer disappear because there is rest on all sides. And there is no adversary. That means there is no demonic beings that can cross this whole city limit. And there is not one evil occurrence. And, and that's in a covenant lesser than ours. So I want you just to capture here because there was a period of time in Israel's history for a seven-year period of time. And the Bible says, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land. Say all the land. Of which he had sworn to give to the fathers. And they took possession of it and they dwelled in it. And the Lord gave them rest. Say rest. All around according to all that he had sworn to the fathers. And not, and not the man of all their enemies stood against them. I love that. <laughs> oh. And not a man of all the enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all, say all, all their enemies into their hands. Not the word fail of any good things which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. Wow. All came to pass. Say, all came to pass. Just capture somebody's statement. The Lord gave all the land. The Lord gave them rest. Say rest. Not the man of all the enemies stood against them. All came to pass. These verses is doing something with me in regard to even the message last night as Papa Jack was sharing. But let us actually now start with a journey that led towards this destiny. Because I do know that there is a promised land over your life. And the promised land is not when you die and when you get to heaven. Because what you're going to see here, that actually when they had been given the promised land, as they entered into the promised land, there were still seven nations they had to conquer to get out of their promised land. And they had actually 31 kings that they had to conquer. So even after they're stepping in from chair two, the wilderness, and into chair one, their promised land, the enemy had occupied it. But you can see here in the end, as they enter into this place, here you're seeing for a seven-year period of time, there was rest. And it is a little picture and a prototype of something God is, God is calling. And I started to think about it when I watched all the children here. Imagine these children growing up in a place where people were just here. When we were coming into Wilmington, some of the things that we heard very clearly, Derek Prince was talking about. But when people are coming into Wilmington, they're driving here. Or people are coming in and saying, why is it that the hospitals are closed? What is taking place? Well, there's this rest on all sides. There's no adversary and no evil occurrence. Uh, this has become a cancer-free zone. Uh, we don't have any opioids addiction any longer. We don't know, but the marriages, because, wow, the enemy against marriages, the enemy against family, the enemy, I mean, the, uh, there is not one single thing that enemy can do any longer because we've entered into a place where one generation paid and the next generation gets to play. And then we are raising up that generation. What is the ceiling of one generation becomes the floor to the next generation. And I'm just dreaming with you this morning. And to do that, let's start in the end of Exodus chapter 2. And I believe that here is kind of a cry that I felt in the service today. And whew. So God, this is Exodus 2, 
And I think it is my reading glasses. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered. Say, God remember. His covenant. Say, covenant. With Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So here we are seeing to take us back into history. God was about to bring a shift, and God is about to bring a shift in America. What we are seeing is that we as believers were supposed to be head, but somehow we have become a tail. We were supposed to influence the nation. Instead, we've been influenced by the nations. And somehow we become a slave to this world system. But God have had enough because he remembered a covenant. This is a covenant to family. Abram, Isaac, Jacob. This is the generational covenant that he has given. And there is a covenant because he is a covenant-keeping God. And he has not forgotten some of the intercessors. And I felt that while we prayed, some of them are in heaven even right now, praying in behalf of what is taking place. They are among the large cloud of witnesses. And then the Bible says, therefore, you run the race. So we are not alone. So God is hearing that. So all over America, and some people are focusing on what the enemy is doing. And, and I remember one leader, he said, Leif, if God does not judge America with what's going on, he says he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I said, well, the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was just the problems were not perversion or homosexuality. It was the lack of righteous. So Abraham came in and that is saying, if we have 50 righteous, can we change this? And God is, of course I will. What about if we have 45? What about if we have 40? It doesn't matter how much darkness you have. How many lights do we have? God is just looking for somebody, a covenant people. And I believe that actually it was not God that stopped the negotiation. It was Abraham. What if Abraham said there's only one person? And later on that one person came and his name was Jesus. Whoa. And then this journey starts with Moses. And to be honest, this message, a little, about 13 years ago, I was going through a season in my life where I was burning out. To make the story short, because of some of my ministry, I've had a broken neck, broken back, body cast. I've been through 10 major surgeries over a period of time. And for about nine years, I've been using opiates. So when I'm hearing about Wilmington and the opiates addiction, I do know I have authority over the area that I've been set free from. Whoa! For two years, this was in 2003, things just started to explode and revival started to fall. It was in Tanzania. It was in Pakistan. It was all over the world. And I started to get busier and busier and traveling. And I started to burn more and more oil. But what I didn't realize, I started to burn flesh. Because I was not taking time to be able to develop oil of intimacy. But in this journey, I crash landed. And eventually, I came home. Because for two years, I abused opiates. I abused medication. And for two years, I went down this spiral until I was totally undone. And Papa Jack, my wife, and my pastor, they got together and said, we need to do something to save Leif from himself. 
And this started a journey where I ended up in a treatment center. And some of you have heard that story in California. But sometimes I have to give the background of the message. Uh, because it is not just that you have a message. It's that the message got you. And that comes through processes. So in this journey, I ended up in California. I was supposed to be in a Christian pain clinic where they were supposed to take care of me. But instead, it was owned by homosexuals. And it was definitely not Christian. They were very actually anti-anything that had to do with Jesus. It was a horrific thing. December 2nd, 2005, when I landed in California, uh, I remember I had emptied uh, 90 Oxycontin and I had emptied the somas. I had emptied everything in the trash can in Huntsville. But even as I was sitting on the plane after about five hours and I landed in California, I started to get the fever and just started to sense that I, I wish that I had taken something all the way till I got to the clinic. And by the time I already got there, I was pretty sick. And uh, there they were going to try to use certain medication to help me. But instead, I, know I, I knew I needed to go cold turkey. So for the next 12 days and 12 nights, you didn't sleep. And you were sick. And you were just laying there. And I remember night and day, the first season, I was afraid I was going to die. In the next part of that journey, I was afraid I was not going to die. And I'm saying that because I had a word Papa Jack said before I went to California. He says, son, son, in this season, you're going to learn of how to take a rod, throw down a rod, and pick up a rod. But if you pick it up too early, it's going to be a serpent. I had one word from my father at that moment. Leif, what do you have in your hand? So this is going to be a little bit of the story. This is how I started to study this message. But I didn't realize the message was studying me. So in California was a season. Leif, what do you have in your hand? Well, I got a ministry. 22 countries. Lay it down. But God, don't you understand? I got a wife. I got kids. We got budget. We have. Lay it down. And it was a season where every single thing, even that God had given me, where God just was telling me, I want you just to lay it down. And you do not even know, until you become free from something, you do not even know that you can be entrusted with it. So the journey here starts with Moses, and we know the story that God is about to raise up some people, and that's always what he does. He's about to raise up a Moses, a deliverer. But Moses himself had been in a school, like many of us have been in a school. And uh, I, I love this story about Moses because even as Moses was a little baby, the enemy was picking up. And you can see even in America in regard to where the serpent is biting, it's connected to destiny. Can I say that again? Why is the enemy trying to stop this next generation? Because of the destiny of that generation. So when he is picking up that there is going to be a Moses, a deliverer. So what he's trying to do is to stop the baby boys. So Pharaoh goes in and he's trying to stop a whole new generation. He's actually going after a Moses. But as he is doing it, Mama takes the little boy, places him in a Nile. And the little baby is just floating down the Nile. And eventually the princess is down there. And she is actually there. Down by the river and see, ah, baby boy. She picks up the baby boy and takes him into the palace. Takes him actually into Pharaoh's home. So the very one is the enemy that the devil is using to kill all the baby boys. Is actually now 
receiving a boy, adopting a boy. Actually, the very deliverer is actually being raised by Pharaoh himself. Sometimes I feel sorry for the devil. <laughs> One time I almost prayed for him. <laughs> So here we have the situation where you can see the enemy, the devil, is actually having to pay for the diaper bills. <laughs> the devil is paying for the education. The devil is doing everything. I mean, inside Pharaoh's home, Moses is being raised, learning everything he needs to know about the world system. He knows about the culture. He knows about the language. He knows the economy. He knows everything that there is to know about the system. And after about 40 years... He is getting qualified. That's the problem. So he's getting ordained. And the first day of ordination, one of the problems is he kills actually an Egyptian. So if you are getting ordained, do not kill somebody the first day. That's one word of wisdom today. But right afterwards, something else happens. Two of his brothers are fighting and they are saying, are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian and then Moses gets fear, and Moses runs out of fear into the wilderness. And now, from being qualified, he's going to go through another 40 years to get disqualified. So if you feel that you have had a long wilderness, it doesn't have to be 40 years. Jesus had 40 days. But the next season in his life is he's going into the wilderness, and that's when we start the school of radiology. Rod eology, the logic of the rod. So the season comes along, and we know the story that God now is about because he realizing that Moses, there's absolutely nothing Moses can do, and God starts to get excited. Moses is out there taking care of sheep, and he's enjoying it. Actually, if you ask Moses, and we did a little survey in the desert, and you met Moses and said, Who are you, Moses? A few years earlier, he could talking about who he is and his identity and his royalty, or I'm a world changer, I'm a deliverer, or here's what God has called me to do. But now after 40 years in the wilderness, and you ask Moses, who are you? And he would say, I'm a, I'm a shepherd. I actually take care of sheep, and this is my rod. This is my identity. And if you look at this rod, it has all these carvings. It's the memory stone, 40 years. This one has been with me, protected, protected me. It's my provision. It's my identity. It is everything that I have. Moses, I want you to lay it down. But, 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 but God, don't you understand? You, you gave this. Moses, I, I want you to lay it down. Because eventually the calling comes to Moses in Exodus 3. He has a burning bush experience. And eventually he says, Moses, now... We're about to start. We're about to begin. And I'm calling you. And Moses is like, oh, b -b 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 God, I cannot even talk. He stutters. <laughs> so if you feel you're disqualified, that is very good. Because that's how you become qualified. But it starts with this very question. So we see the journey with Moses after the burning bush experience. And we are back to Papa Jack's phenomenal word of I am. What, 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 what do I tell Pharaoh? What do I tell God's people when, when 3 million Jews take him out of Egypt and take him into the promised land? Just tell them that I am have sent you. But, but God, that's not good grammar. 
I, 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 I am have sent you. But when we capture the I am, this is the covenant statement. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am. I am. No matter what your issue, I am. No matter what your situation, I am. If you lack wisdom, I am your wisdom. If you are weak, I am your strength. If you are sad, I am your joy. If you need healing, I am your healer. I am your authority. I am your freedom. I am, I am, I am. Whatever you need, I am. And the only response back again is you are. You are our healer. You are our sufficiency. You are our joy. You are my freedom. You are, you are, you are. And Wilmington will say, he is. When you capture the I am, the response back again is the you are. And the world around us will say, he is. The newspaper will talk about, he is a healer. The television station will he is. And then we're going in, what do you have in your hand? Uh, God, I, I, I got a rod. Well, what kind of a rod is it? Sh shepherd's rod. Moses, I, I want you to lay it on. But God, you gave this to me. This is my identity. This is my protection. This is actually my retirement. Everything is in this rod. 40 years has been with me. I mean, I've been carved. I have all the memory stones throughout this whole rod just of the journey. Lay it down. And I think you have something on your bulletin that is prophetic even before. Look what is in the front of your bulletin. What does it say? Oh, all things are passed away and all things become new. Moses! <laughs> I think that was prophetic, by the way. <laughs> Whoever put that on the bulletin, congratulations. What do you, and my question to you, what do you have in your hand? So when Papa Jack was sharing that with me, started a journey, and I forget, two years ago, or less than that, during New Year, Again, I felt overwhelmed. I just woke up. I felt the new year. We were dealing with stuff at home and with finances in the office. It was like everywhere there was, seems to be some leaks and attack. And I was just tired and a little bit weary. And Papa Jack walked behind me because we always have new year at my home together. And he started to massage my shoulder a little bit. And again, he just says, son, what do you have in your hand? And I realized again that I had picked up something. Because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. What do you have in your hand? Got a ministry. Got a budget. I got this. I got that. And we got the city. And we got all this pressure. Leif, why don't you lay down? And when I laid it down, it became a serpent. And you do not even know if there's any serpent thing serpentine nature in what God has given you until you lay it down. So every time when God is asking you to lay down something, if that is your future or the guilt from your past, or if that whatever is going on, when God says lay it down, you do not even realize that what God wants to get out the pressure so that he can pour in his pleasure. He's going to, 
He's going to get rid of the, the serpent. It became a serpent. He's going to get rid of that hiss. The hiss of a serpent. Hiss, hiss. And bring in his. He's going to take out the fear. And he's going to pour in the perfect love. And the perfect love is going to take away fear. So whatever you have there. It is going to change the very nature of it. So what God is doing. As part of his economy. Or what he's doing even this morning. And in this place. And it's going to be a beautiful reminder. This is more a prophetic activation morning. What do you have in your hand? Individually, in our marriage, finances, business, work situation, no matter what it is, addiction, whatever you have, whatever you struggle with, <laughs> you're going to just be able to take that. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to activate that. And then eventually God says, now I want you to pick it up. But when you pick it up, pick it up after the lesser end. And eventually we know Moses picks it up. And it turns from being a serpent to become a rod. But now it is God's rod. It is God's ability. It is God's power. It is God's authority. It is God's freedom. It is God's joy. Everything that God is, the I am. <laughs> and as long as you're holding up the rod of God over your life, over your marriage, over Wilmington, light is going to penetrate darkness. You're going to be an environment changer. But reality of life, you leave this meeting and, wow, we have stood up front. I've had a phenomenal weekend. And then Monday shows up. And Moses also had one of those Monday experiences. I mean, here he has about three million griping Jews. They are coming out there because there's one thing to get you out of Egypt. There's another thing to get Egypt out of you. And it took 40 years to get Moses out of Egypt, but another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. And then he says, okay, Moses, Moses, what's the problem? And he's like, God, oh, these three million, these three million Jews, slaves, whatever they are, they're fighting and they're complaining and they're whining. So if you think, oh, my boss or that teacher of mine or whatever is that issue, God, I have a problem. These three million, excuse me, Moses, what's the problem? I just told you, God, I, I have this problem. These this is life. This is a daily day. Well, what do you have in your hand? God, I don't have the time to talk about the rod. God, we have this problem. What do you have in your hand? Oh, I got a rod. <laughs> what kind of a rod is it? From chair two to chair one. Oh, I, I got your rod. I got your wisdom. I got your authority. I got your ability. I got your power. I got your love. I got your abundance, your sufficiency. I got you. Uh, Moses, what's the problem? Oh, God, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> you know those three million people of yours? What are you going to do about it? And we wish it was over, but it doesn't stop there. Oh, another situation. This time it is Friday, and it's a long Friday. Pharaoh, I just heard a rumor. Pharaoh is in one of those mood swings. <laughs> Pharaoh is coming with his army to kill us. And in the front of us is this amazing Red Sea. 
and it looks more like a dead sea because we're going to drown or get killed. I don't know if you've ever been there between the rock and the hard place. This is life. That's why I travel with this. Papa Jack has his rod here. Take this together because there's in a moment of time I'm in my room. Leif, what do you have in your hand? When I feel pressure, I again take this rod and I lay down. And again, the situation is Red Sea, army, and they are about to be cursed. But what do you have in your hand? And again, Moses, God. And then God reminds him again about who he is. Because when you capture the I am, then you can capture the you are. And the world around can say he is. And again, we know the story that Moses eventually, I got a rod. I got your rod. I got your authority. I got after this process. And then he takes that rod. Open up the Red Sea. God's people moves, crosses over. He closes the Red Sea and the next part of the journey. And I'm going to land this. This is like cramping two hours in. But I'm landing with this last picture. Because now Moses, even doing God's work, God's way, with God's power, his arms is getting tired. And then suddenly the report comes from the newspaper. Suddenly people start to tweet. There's some new overdoses. And then you start to hear about the story. And then it's attack after attack. And his arms is getting. But then here's the next picture. And this is where I wanted to end this today. This is what we're going to need one another in this revival and this move. It's not just enough for you to have a rod and God's rod. But my encouragement to each one of us is, first, individually speaking, that you will have a rod in your life that you will on a daily basis, soon as you're in chair two, ask the question, what do you have? Lay down your pressure and pick up his pleasure. Lay down your weakness and pick up his strength. Lay down your burden and pick up his blessing. And when you start to see who you are not, start to see who he is. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But what we're going to need in this season, I want Tom and Jimmy to come up. Because sometimes, even in the middle of this, and this is where Papa Jack and Frida, if you can join me, and then Papa can release a prayer. I want you also to stand up to your feet. And I'm just going to honor to land this so that we also. But if you can come up on the stage here. and This rod has, it's my personal rod that has been custom built for me. But it says kingdom family on it. And the scripture verse that is carved into this rod, it is that I sought him. In the middle of all what has been going on, I was seeking him. I sought him. And he delivered me from all my fear, all my troubles. Then their faces became, their faces became radiance. And you could find no shame. And I just felt that uh, we wanted to give you this. I wanted to give this personal to you. As a rod, but even now, Papa. And I want Papa Jack and some of you individually speaking, when you are tired, we're going to come alongside you and say, let me help you to hold the rod of God. That's what Moses did. He, it was no longer about just him and his rod. And when your arms are tired, Papa Jack and Frida, we are here with you as a family. Our families, 
865 churches in Pakistan, a family movement in Southeast Asia, in Cuba all over. When the revival is here in Wilmington and starts to burn and you start to sense you're getting a little tired, we're going to come alongside and we're going to hold up the rod of God. And as long as we hold up the rod of God over your family, and I want you to take your own rod and hold that up right now. But first, before we do that, can we just ask, even look, what do you have in your hand? Just, just look at your rod, your personal rod. We're going to just lay down whatever you're carrying and let it get in and let a poisonous nature go out. So just look at that. One, two, three. Just drop it down. Take a little step back and just let that get out. The hiss go out and let hiss, hiss, hiss come in. Now I would like you to go and bow down and I want you to pick up your rod. Now suddenly, what do you have in your hand over your family, over your finances, over your situation? It's individual, but it's also corporate. And now we're going to hold up Papa Jack and I want you to pray. Father, I thank you that you've revealed the truth to us. Heaven has invaded earth. The rod of man has become the rod of God. With all the ability of heaven behind it, but alone, it's simply another rod. A Nehushtan, just an old rod. So never, never in our minds let the rod become a God. Let this rod become a system of faith energized, activated, engaged at every level, intensely personal profoundly corporate in every life here today. And I pray that from here on, this concept, this massive illustration will not be far from our hearts. Thank you that we've entrusted, we've entrusted no other church with a rod, but they all have it. And so in Jesus' name today, let churches all over the earth come under the influence of a God who deals with us intensely personal and who deals with us profoundly corporate. There is no power on the earth that can stop a church assigned with the power of God to overcome. And we will overcome because you have overcome. And in Jesus' name, the blessing falls even on the stranger who is here today. What has happened to me? I fell in. I fell under truth. Life is different. Outlook is 
is revised. Hope has come to conquer hopelessness. So in Jesus' name, we listen for the news across the earth. We're a part of something we didn't have to order or organize. We're a part of something that heaven has brought to earth. And we're a part of it through the grace of God. And thank you for the newness of life. In Jesus' name, we call the lost to salvation. We call the confused to recover, reinstate, to be restored. And now we call the harvest. The harvest is ready. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will thrust forth prepared laborers into the harvest. Thank you. Praise you. Let the blessing come in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. to say other than help us Jesus oh my flesh is telling me that I'm weak but I feel so strong I am so strong. Woo! You are so strong. Because he is so, say it, strong. Woo! I don't know about, just have one C. We'll, we'll be done in a minute here, too. This morning, I, you know, I wake up every morning, and usually the first thing out of my mouth is, good morning, Father, good morning, Holy Spirit, good morning, the Lord. This morning, I was like shot awake, and I'm like, what happened last night? And this sense started to kind of like, and I asked the Lord a question. I said, Lord, I don't, um, do I have what it takes to do this? And he said, no. <laughs> he said, but, but I do, and I have you, so therefore we can. And I said, okay, <laughs> that'll work. So let's just stand, and, and uh, I know it's your heart and it's my heart that you know, we've had for years as part of our vision to pastor a city, and and then a region, and then states and nations, and and I just want to let, I asked Papa Jack last night on the way home from the car, in the car, I said, can you give me some advice about this revival thing? He, he goes, yeah. I said, he goes, get out of his way and stay in his way. I said, now that's just about as clear as mud. 
get out of his way and stay in his way. But then as I meditated on it, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is our family's life first. When my kids were knee-high to grasshoppers, I, they memorized it. Right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Just in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct the pathway. That's the big yes. And my wife was saying, you know, if we just say yes, 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 all the way every day to the right yes, it multiplies into his big yes. And so I know it's your heart, it's mine, that God would save those who are broken, that those that need to have a touch of the Lord, to know what we know about him. So, Lord, we just come and in humbly we search that you would meet us here and you would lead and guide and direct our leadership with great wisdom and discernment. God, we're not going to plan it. We're just going to get out of your way and then we're going to follow you. And so we ask that you come and start moving things. Connections, all of these business leaders, these moms, these dads, Right now, I'm asking you to release the power of your presence as influencers to a society, a city, a culture, neighbors, family, loved ones that are not saved right now. That are, We heard from Mama last night the years it took for reconciliation even with her daughter, but now we're professing and believing God is about to do something that we're going to be so excited about the testimonies of. So come and... Just do what you want to do, Lord. We're going to put the sail up, and we're asking you to blow. Blow on it, Lord, and bring your presence. Surprise us with all the amazing grace that, that you're releasing. And now to him who's able to keep us from falling, to bring us into that place, may God's blessing be upon you and your families for this day and forward in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you for being with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jack and Frida. I got to get them to the airport. They got on to other missions.